The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Concerns mount as almost 650 Gardaí have faced assault and injury while on the job this year. It'll be one of the topics on the agenda when Commissioner Drew Harris faces the Oireachtas Justice Committee today. Joining me now is Brendan O'Connor of the GRA. Brendan, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, uh, first of all, the nature of these injuries, I mean, some undoubtedly will be slight and some will be very serious. Yes, Pat, unfortunately, the, the, the violence and the, the injuries our members are subjected to range from very very minor assaults with maybe only a cut or a graze or maybe bruising right up to life-changing catastrophic industries where people have uh, serious head injuries and we have stabbings and, and serious stuff like that. But uh, the, the whole spectrum of, of assaults and injuries uh, is, is what is at play here. Now, clearly, Gardaí could be involved in traffic accidents, uh, you know, whether they're in hot pursuit or just whether um, they are involved in an accident not necessarily of their making, which can result in very serious injuries. But I suppose people are more concerned about the face-to-face injuries that Gardaí may come across in the course of their duty, trying to arrest somebody. Yes, it's the violence that's usually visited on them from an individual aggressor, as you say, during maybe a protest or an arrest or dealing with an incident. But, and also domestic incidents are proving very dangerous and treacherous. That's an international trend. So really, I suppose what has changed now, we were just discussing it yesterday, is that it used to be, you know, Certain incidents you were very wary and, and risk aware when you go into them, but now people are very unpredictable and attacks can just, it seems to be people flip in an instant and turn. And so incidents that guards go to that don't appear to be violent or, or a threat to them can, can change and escalate very quickly. So that's the environment where members find themselves in. Now, in days gone by, people would say, you know, the guard that was attacked by somebody because there was drink taken. Uh, How many of the attacks in the current year would be put down to uh, maybe some cocaine-fueled aggression? Well, unfortunately, we wouldn't have any accurate statistics in that because obviously there's no no lawful uh, right to to take a sample. We don't know, but certainly anecdotally and based on people's behaviour and the prevalence of cocaine, we would say that a lot of guards who are involved in police in the nighttime economy would would certainly have a suspicion that a lot of the aggression they encounter is fuelled by um, mostly alcohol, but other substances as well. Definitely it's a factor, huge factor. Now, when you're trying to figure out how serious uh, this is, I mean, when you look at the, the number of the Garda force, you're, you're talking about a significant proportion of the Garda available for duty being taken off duty because of uh, their injuries. I mean, we must be uh, talking about, uh, se- well, what, 7 8% of the Garda force uh, having some injury this year. How many days typically... Is there an average that a guard that misses because of injury encountered in the course of duty? I don't have that statistic, Pat. I'm just on the, on the, on the trend and, and the impact, as you say, it's a significant number. But what you also have to consider is that this is generally frontline operational members who are dealing with these situations. So they are actually more likely, and that's the visible police presence that people see in the streets. So that's been impacted even more proportionally than across the organisation. And But in relation to today's missed, another huge problem we have organisationally, and it's, a, it's also a welfare issue, is that members who are injured cannot get access. The current waiting list is to get into our own chief medical officer, that's the guard, a doctor, is a year. So sometimes we have members who believe that they are um, recovering and want to get back to work and need to speak to, the, to or have a consultation and they're not getting access. So we believe there's just some efficiencies that can be achieved there, both in the interests of the organisation, mm. people we serve and our members' welfare. 
Okay, just to clarify, uh, I mean, a Garda who has a normal illness will go to a normal doctor, one presumes, like anybody else, but they have access to the Garda uh, doctor under what circumstances? The, the chief medical officer, obviously, um, health and welfare is a big issue in Garda, so um, the, the chief medical officer is the final say on members' suitability and availability for work. So he has to sign off on their return to work. And we say act, getting access is very difficult. And another problem we have, too, is that the organization seems to be taking quite a stringent approach to injuries that are not physical. So we have people who are struggling with, with, with perhaps the, the psychological fallout of assaults and the, the, the organization is very slow to recognize those as injuries on duty. So there's, there's a huge welfare and support piece here that certainly isn't, um, we think can be managed better and, and could provide a better support for members and by default uh, improve the situation for the public. Yeah. I, I, again, trying to understand this, the chief medical officer has to certify a guard that is fit to return to duty. Uh, That's correct. Are you telling me that there might be people queuing up to see this doc who are perfectly capable of going back on duty and can't get an appointment? Because that would be crazy. Yes, there is a facility for, for local doctors to, to, to bring a member back, but it, it, is, it has to be signed off on by the CMO. And yes, there is a waiting list of a year to see the CMO. It's totally unacceptable. Mm. No, but, but I, mean, I mean, just the logic of this, that someone is, in their own head at least, ready to go back on duty, presumably because they've been laid off sick for whatever reason uh, they are being paid uh, during their sickness. They want to get back on duty and they have to wait a year before the doctor can say. I mean, that's crazy in a time of guard the shortages. It is. And also, the, 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 what we are told to in relation to civilianization is that you don't need to be a sworn Garda. If, sorry, if you don't need to be a sworn Garda to carry out a function, then that should be civilianized. And we would say that the medical expertise is out there, both in the private and public sector. You do not need to be a sworn warrant card holding member of Garda Shea Connors of the medical expertise. The CMO is a sworn member of the equivalent of, of, of assistant commissioner, but certainly there's no reason why uh, the best medical services in the state cannot be accessed to speed this process. But certainly we look at it from a, a welfare uh, perspective, but yes, the public and, and delivery of service, it doesn't make any sense. As you say, it's crazy that people are waiting so long to see a doctor. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now, how many arrests have there been in connection with the 646 Gardaí who have been injured? I mean, do they result in arrests and charges? Uh, so unfortunately, sometimes they don't because we're back to the recruitment and retention crisis and numbers, and some of the small assaults fall through the cracks and maybe aren't followed up. But there is a protocol that should be adhered to, and a, pre- a, a sergeant should be assigned to investigate an assault. So, but certainly, look, serious assaults on our colleagues are something that we take very seriously, and we leave no stone unturned in relation to making sure that people are held to account. But again, that process could be eased with the use of equipment that's standard issue across the world. I mean, if, if, if a guard's assaulted by a random stranger in a busy urban centre, we may not identify the yeah. suspect, whereas most police forces would have a body cam and we would have something to work on. Now, we've heard a lot about recruitment and retention in the Garda Shia and uh, also the lack of ambition to take on a big job, like the assistant commissioner who's got to keep going uh, because nobody's uh, going to step up to the plate, uh, shall we say. Uh, but in the civilianized areas of the Gardaí, I read this morning that something like 7,500 people have applied for various jobs uh, in the civilianized area. So there's no lack of enthusiasm for working within the, the mall, if you like, of Angarda Shia Yes, well, obviously we don't rep- represent our, our, our non-sworn colleagues or Garda staff, but um, I suppose 
many of the problems that we allude to are associated with the operational frontline complications. So there obviously seems to be a difference in attitude there. And those, if there is, those numbers are being applied. That's to be welcome because you know we need as many staff as we can, but they have to be deployed properly and effectively to supplement and support the frontline and operational policing. Now, finally, Brendan, I should ask you about uh, every time I talk to you, you, you tell us about the problems, the low morale, the difficulties of retention, people leaving for uh, greener pastures and so on and so forth. And I, I'd put it to you that, you know, because <laughs> I'll use a colloquialism, because you're always moaning. You're turning yeah, people. You're turning people off a career in the Gardaí, and yet, if you got more Gardaí in, it would ease the pressure on the people who are doing the job. Yes, that's an ideological. That's a dilemma for the Garda Representative Association because we we understand that we are in a way talking down a job that we love and that many of us enjoy doing, but we are tasked with representing our members. And we have to get the message out there and be their collective voice and express uh, their experiences and their concerns. And whenever they're not being addressed behind closed doors in the forums it should be, we find ourselves with no option but to add them publicly because that's when we seem to get a response. Yeah, because the same applies to frontline staff in the medical area in A&E and so on. People are hearing how tough it is and therefore they say, well, why would I want to do that job? And yet it's a very satisfying job when the numbers are right and the, the force is up to scratch. So... Anyway, Brendan, thank you very much for joining us. Brendan O'Connor is the president of the GRA. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.